0: Good morning, New Beginnings. How are we doing today? Morning. Awesome, awesome. Well, welcome. Uh, my name is Charlie. I am our student ministries pastor here, and I'm not the senior pastor. Pastor Jim Del Campo is um, hanging out with our Hoopa Valley campus this morning, and uh, we'll be back a little bit later. But he's given me the opportunity to share with you guys today in our series, Confidence. And I'm so excited, and I have to ask this question because who in here are morning people? Who in here, like, can't—whoa. We got the morning people over there. I I see it. I hear it. Who in here just can't stand waking up in the morning? praise god you guys are my people you guys are my people like I am horrible at waking up I have it on Amazon it says the world's loudest alarm clock it shakes my bed and I still sleep through it I don't know how but it does but who got their coffee this morning is really what I'm asking all right good I need my this is my second cup today and uh, it's only 10:30. so let's see I think I can get one more cup in before the end of the day Um, But again, my name is Charlie. I am a student ministries pastor here. I've been working here as the student ministry pastor for about four years now, and uh, I love every single second of it. And uh, today, we're going to continue our series, Confidence, with this message title of Passion. And I want to talk to you guys about Passion today. Because Pastor Jim, he opened up this series two weeks ago, sharing what it looks like to live a confident life. Life, And he gave us two key verses that I want to um, touch back on today. It's our series verses, and these two verses really give us an understanding and a foundation of what it looks like to live confident as we talk about identity and being in the presence of Jesus. So if we can, let's read these all out loud together. The very first one is John chapter 1, verse 12, and it says this. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So great, that, I, that idea of being identified as followers of Jesus. The second verse we have in this series, as a, one of our main ones, is Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. And it says this all together. Teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. These two verses are really what it looks like to live a confident life as men and women following Jesus. And now today, we're going to dive into the second pillar. Pastor Jim last week talked about the first one. We're going to dive into the second pillar of living a confident life, and that is passion. So if you are taking notes, write that down as the message title. Also, our series tag is confidence is no accident. Confidence is no accident. That's such a great key because we don't just wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I'm going to be confident today. It doesn't just happen like that. It happens over time, living this life out, just like how I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray that one day I'm going to wake up with a six-pack. It just doesn't happen on accident. I eat way too much junk food to allow that just to happen on accident. It takes time and it takes prep. preparation so again i I love it when we take notes in church i truly believe that if you take notes in church that you are getting a front of the line pass to heaven when that time does come it's a proven fact um so i hope you guys are taking notes but i'm just going to pray as we dive into tonight or today's word. so let's bow our heads close our eyes and pray God, we thank you so much for this morning and what you have in store for us today. God, I know this message was resonating with me as we were preparing it. God, again, just let this be none of my words. Let this be all of your words. God, I pray all I am is just a mouthpiece. You're just using me to speak your words to the people of new beginnings today, That God. I pray today that whatever that needs to be heard, let it be heard. Whatever it needs to be said, let it be said. And God, we just love you and we thank you for everything you do for us. And it's in your name we pray. And we all said? Amen, amen, amen. amen. Question. Who in here is passionate about something? could be anything, anything. If you're not raising your hand, I'm praying for you guys. You guys should be passionate about something in your life. Uh, for me growing up, or really just me now I'm passionate about a few different things of course number one would be Jesus gotta be passionate about Jesus, you're a pastor Um, the second thing would be the next generation, because this next generation rising up, uh, isn't getting taught Jesus in their schools, isn't getting taught Jesus really anywhere else in all the social media outlets that they look at, so that's been a huge passion on my heart for the past few years of teaching this next generation who Jesus is, because if we're not doing it who is going to do it um another thing I'm passionate about maybe more so on the more unholy side of things would be sports love sports love football love baseball basketball all of that stuff especially college football I oh man I'm, I already miss college football I, I'm a huge Clemson Tigers fan um huge Clemson Tigers fan and uh, I'm super passionate about them especially because they're national champs but uh who's counting? Um, I'm also passionate about food, as you can tell. That's why I don't have that six-pack. Love Raising Cane's, love Chick-fil-A, love anything my mom cooks for dinner. Um, Had to throw my mom in there. And uh, another thing I'm passionate about would be my fiance Aubrey. She is, yes, yes. Uh, We're getting married in a few, in like 80 80 days now, but who's counting? Um, yeah we're getting married in 80 days and that's just a wild ride she's upstairs serving in our junior high ministry but i'm passionate about a lot of things and growing up my passions kind of looked the same but cutting didn't i was still passionate about sports played sports my whole life and i was still passionate about food loved eating and another thing i was passionate about and maybe some of you guys in here know exactly what i'm talking about but i was passionate about these things does anybody know what these let me just go to the camera does anybody know what these are what, Pokemon cards, I love, who in here has no idea what a Pokemon card is? Okay, good, 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 just making sure, because I said it in first service and I got some faces like, what are those? Um, so, Pokemon cards, I grew up watching Pokemon, I was a 90s kid, loved it so, so much. Um, I remember there was a tagline that Pokemon came out with and it was, gotta catch them all, Pokemon, and I lived to that standard my, every day of my life until it became uncool to collect Pokemon cards. Uh, I I went everywhere I could I traded I begged my parents I found change on the floor I would pick that change up Go to Walmart Get me a pack of cards Half the time I had all the cards That were in the pack So I ended up trading some of those Just to get every Pokemon card That I possibly could imagine of getting I share that though Because I remember This one time when I was a kid I think it was about 8 I was sitting at home watching TV And I was sitting at home watching TV It was a Saturday morning Watching my Saturday cartoons Uh, a Burger King commercial came on. And this Burger King commercial came on and it was about kids' meals because I was watching Nickelodeon or something like that. And it was about kids' meals. And in these kids' meals, what they were doing was they were giving out a pack of Pokemon cards for every kids' meal you buy. And these were like special packs of Pokemon cards. Like I was like, once I found out that they were doing that, my eyes lit up, my heart started racing and I ran to my mom and my dad's room and I was like, mom, dad, dad, we need to go to Burger King, and they were like, why, we just got done eating, I was like, but you don't understand, like, you just don't understand, I need to go, because they're giving out Pokemon cards in their kids' meals, I need them, and they were like, you have way too many Pokemon cards already, we spent way too much money on these dumb things, um, we, we just need to stop, and I was like, but mom, dad, you don't understand, everyone at school is going to have those, Everyone's going to be there. Everyone, I'm, I'm going to be the only one in the entire school without these Pokemon cards. And after persuading them, like if I was trying to sell them a new house, I ended up being able to go to Burger King. But not just Burger King. I went to Burger King for a month straight on Saturdays and on Sundays and even sometimes on Fridays to get a kid's meal just so I can get Pokemon cards. I remember this one time we were driving around to all the Burger Kings that we could find asking if I can trade packs with them because I already had the cards that were in that certain pack. And it's funny because I was so passionate about these things and now I have no idea where they're at. I think I sold them in a garage sale or something. These aren't even mine. I had to borrow these from a student. Um, (laughs) um, But I loved Pokemon so much. And it's funny because that passion that I had for Pokemon drove me to do things that I normally wouldn't do. Drove me to do things that were kind of outside of my comfort zone, going to different Burger Kings and getting all these food, even though I love food. Passion for food and Pokemon went hand in hand. Um, But I would go out and I would do things that were out of the ordinary. And if this is your first time with us today, welcome. We're so excited that you're here with us. And everyone on live stream, welcome. Uh, We've been in the series, Confidence, and we're looking at the life of David and David not only was a man filled with confidence but he was a man filled with passion a young man filled with passion and that passion drove him to do something he normally wouldn't do and today we're going to look at that so if you have your bibles what I want us to do is go to first Samuel chapter 17 1 Samuel chapter 17 verses 21 I'm not going to read just yet give you some time to flip there one of my biggest pet peeves is when preachers, they go up and they start saying, hey, go to 1 Samuel 17, and they just dive right into it, not even giving us a chance to open our Bibles, look at the table of context and be like, oh, that's where Samuel's at. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 21 says this, and this is just a recap. It says, "'Soon the Israelites and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers.' As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champ from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Verse 24. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife. And that man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. Anybody in here would love to be exempt from paying taxes? <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. I'm 24 now, and I'm starting to realize taxes, they're not very fun. Um, but verse 26 says this, and I believe verse 26 is one of the most important verses in this text. It says this. David asked the soldier standing nearby, What will a man get for killing the Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Right here is what I find so key. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? So David, what he's been doing is he's been going back and forth from his dad's house to his brother's. His dad said, hey, I need you to stay back home. I need you to tend the flock that we have here. And what I need you to do is as you're going back and forth, I need you to bring them Chick-fil-A sandwiches without Chick-fil-A sauce because Chick-fil-A sauce is not very good. And uh, they would go back and forth, and he would bring them food from his dad's house to his brother's. And one day when he was doing this, he gets to the house... And as he gets, or he gets to the army and he gets to the battlefield and as he gets to this field, he hears something. He hears Goliath shouting. He hears Goliath defying the army of God. And so he goes up and he starts asking some questions. What I find so interesting about this text is not the fact that he was bringing Chick-fil-A sandwiches back and forth, but what I find so interesting is David came in and was asking, what does the man get for killing Goliath. I could only imagine when David walked into the army and said that they're looking at him like, what is this teenager doing here? Because if you didn't know, David is a teenager. As Pastor Jim likes to say, he just came from prom. Um, I just couldn't imagine David coming up in his squeaky voice, going through puberty still saying, hey guys, what's going on? What what happens if I kill Goliath? What do I get? Like, I can't imagine him coming up and doing that. And really what, what was really interesting is the offer that King Saul was going to give to anybody that killed Goliath. For instance, is there any baseball fans in the room today? Good, good. Any angel fans in the room? Hey, angels of California, Los Angeles, Anaheim, and everything, every every other city in California. Um, So if you're angel fans, you kind of probably know what I'm going to get at. What was the big news that happened to you angel fans this week? Mike Trout. Mike Trout, one of the best baseball players to ever walk on the diamond ever now i'm a yankee fan so that's coming a lot like i i love mike trout hey 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 there's um but mike trout if you don't know signed a 12-year deal with the angels of anaheim los angeles everything else for 430 million dollars 430 million dollars for 12 years I've, if I was Mike Trout, I'd be like, I'll just take a million dollars Like you can have the 429, if I had a million I'd be set for life, I'd get my truck, I'd get a house I'd live heavily, happily ever after um, but 430 million dollars, I found some fun facts on that, it says that per day, Mike Trout for the next 12 years will make $100,000 a day I, don't, I will probably never see that in my lifetime like $100,000 a day Per game Mike Trout plays, he will make $222,000. Per game. Per hour, Mike Trout will make $4,000. Per hour. When I saw that, I was like, holy cow. Mike Trout is set for life. He is set for life. Anaheim did him right and set him up for life. Gave him a max contract. And really, I share that because King Saul is coming out and he's throwing out a max contract to anybody that can kill Goliath. He's out there throwing out a max contract saying, look, you're going to get money. You're going to get riches. You're also going to get one of my daughters, meaning you're going to be married into the royal family. You're also going to be exempt from paying taxes. King Saul was setting whoever wanted to kill Goliath up for the rest of their lives. And so we see David going around and he's asking the question, what are they going to get? What are they going to get? And even though David's curious about that, I don't think that's his biggest motive though. I don't think that's his biggest motive at all. Because I shared in verse 26, which I'm going to reread real fast. There's something in there that makes me believe that it wasn't about the material possessions for David. Instead it was this. Let's reread verse 26. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get? for killing this Philistine and ending the defiance of Israel. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? I don't think David really cared about the material things. It would have been nice, but David was more so passionate, was more so passionate about Goliath coming out and defacing and defiling God's name. David came out and he said, this can't fly anymore. I don't understand how he's even still able to do this and so what he does is he starts to allow his passion to overflow. He starts to allow his passion to creep up out of him. And he says, no, no, I can't do this anymore. I can't take this anymore. I'm going to go and do something about it. And this is where we see David's passion allow him to do something that's a little bit out of the ordinary. Now, if you're taking notes, I have three points for us today in David's life about passion that I'm hoping and praying we can apply to our lives today just to make us a little bit better than what we came in here today. So if you're taking notes, the very first point I have for you guys today is this. Passion stops criticism. Passion stops criticism. If you have your Bibles, let's go to First Samuel chapter 17, verse 28. Verse 28 says this. But when David's oldest brother Eliab, Eliab, sorry, Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway he demanded? What about those? And if you have your Bibles or you have your phone Bibles, I want us to highlight these two words. What are you doing about those few sheep? You're supposed to be taking care of. I know about your pride. You just want to see the battle. So as David's bringing Eliab food, he's not even grateful for the Chick-fil-A sandwiches. I'd be ecstatic. Someone gave me a water for first service and I was really excited about that. Now Eliab, he's not excited about it at all. Instead, he's looking at David saying, why are you even here? His, older, his, his younger brother, David, is coming up and Eliab's upset, Eliab's angry and the reason why Eliab's angry is this in the previous chapter Samuel was going and God told him to go and anoint the next king anoint the next king of Israel and he said to go to David's house so Samuel did that Samuel went to David's house and as he was there he sees Eliab now Eliab, just to paint the picture a little bit Eliab looks like me tall buff good looking amen uh, <laughs> all right, let's pray I'm done um, <laughs> but he, he's a tall guy he's strong he's built he's physically built like a king and so when Samuel walks into the house he looks at him and Samuel says this must be the next king of Israel and God says nope try the next one and so Samuel goes all the way down all of David's brothers and none of them are it and the funniest part about that story is this David wasn't even in the house David's dad called all his brothers together knowing that Samuel was going to come and trying to anoint the next king but he tried hiding David out in the field to go work and David's dad said I do have one more son so they called David over from the field and as they called him over Samuel says this is the next king so it's safe to say the reason why Eliab is so upset and so frustrated is because he's not the next king and his younger brother is his younger brother is so Eliab's upset, Eliab's angry now if I was David I probably would have like started going off on Eliab, like dude just be quiet you're not the next king, you're irrelevant I would have been done something mean but David didn't instead look what David did in verse 29 what have I done now David replied, I imagine when he said what have I done now, he made that like so like kind of almost arrogant in a way kind of like come on Eliab I'm the next king, don't worry it's okay, you don't have to be mad at me anymore I was only asking a question. Verse 30. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. What I love about David's passion is this. When he was faced with criticism, when he was faced with negative people, even in his household, he didn't allow that to stop him. He didn't allow that to stop the passion that God had placed on his heart. For me growing up as a kid, um, my family—we never really went to church. There's nothing wrong with that, or there is. But I didn't know any better. We didn't know any better at all. Um, and now I've I gave my life to Jesus at seventeen. I thought it to myself, I want to be a pastor by the, when I was 18, and now I'm living that out now, and I love every single second of it, and I love my parents, my mom, a lot of you guys probably know my mom and don't even know us, my mom, she uh, serves in Blend. she's 90% of the time, she's the cashier that's up there, she's now known as Charlie's mom, but her real name is actually Tammy, uh, <laughs> every time I walk up, it's like, hi, Charlie's mom, I'm like, Tammy. Um, or mom, whatever you want to call her. Um, and uh, she's, she's here in church now, which is awesome. But my dad, on the other hand, isn't. And I love my dad to death. There's nothing, I, I, I love that guy. He's put a house, he's put a roof over my head, fed me meals my whole entire life, made sure I had everything that I needed and I wanted, especially Pokemon cards. And um, I remember though, going home at the age of 18 when I felt like God was calling me to be a pastor. And he, I remember going and I sat them down and I said, dad, I want to be a youth pastor. How do you think that conversation went? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the best. I remember him looking me dead in the face and said, why? You're not going to make enough money. You're going to have to work a second job for the rest of your life. Is this really what you want to do? This doesn't seem right. You, you have a good job right now where you can be a manager in about a year. Why would you want to give all that up to work at a church? And now my dad, I don't hold that to him at all because all he was doing was looking out for his son. He was making sure that I was setting myself up for the rest of my life so when I'm 50, I don't have to live in their house anymore. (laughs) That's all he was doing. (laughs) I heard an amen. (laughs) Um, That's all he was doing. All he was doing. But I remember sitting there that day, that week, and thinking to myself, am I really making the right choice? Because I was putting all my eggs into this basket I was going to go to RCC, I was going to be on the track team, I was going to do certain things with my life, and I was like, I, I quit all that, and I pursued ministry full time, I went and I started interning, and I started thinking, is this the right call? Especially when he started saying those things. Especially when he started to give me that criticism, kind of making myself doubt, is this the calling that God has placed on my life? And now, flash forward seven years later, and I'm glad I'm standing here in front of you guys today, and my passion overpowered that criticism, yeah. That passion overpowered that criticism for us today in this room I don't know where we're walking with but if you are facing criticism if you have negative people that are surrounding you trying to get you off veer you off of the path that God has placed on your heart and the passion that he has placed on your heart let me tell you this don't listen keep going God has something so much greater for you so much bigger for you in store down the road so much bigger could you imagine if David would have sat back and said man you know what Eliab you're right let me just go home We wouldn't have the story of David and Goliath we know today. That's known worldwide, this story. Which makes me think this. I wonder how many times in our lives, church that we've allowed the negative criticism and the people in our lives to talk us out of certain situations that God strategically placed in us. I wonder how many times. That's why I'm coming to you today and trying to encourage us, keep going, keep fighting. He has something great in store for us something great which leads me right into my second point my second point is this passion blasts through quitting points passion blasts through quitting points if we can let's read 1st Samuel 17 verse 24 it says this as soon as the Israelite army saw him Goliath they began to run away in fright one more time as soon as the Israelite army saw him they began to run away in fright for 40 days, Goliath walked out with the Philistine army taunting the Israelites. For 40 days. Question. How big do you think Goliath looked on that first day? Big. How do you think he looked on the 40th day? Bigger. Way bigger. Way bigger. Let me give you a side note real fast, church. It's the same thing that comes to our life when it happened, when sin enters our life. On that very first day, it doesn't look that big. It was, oh, it's just one time. I can get over this. And then once we repeatedly start doing it and start doing it and start doing it and it just creeps into our life on that 40th, that 50th, that 60th day, it looks way bigger and it becomes a way bigger problem than what it was on that first day. On that first day. When we have these types of situations on day one, we need to nip it right and there. We can't allow it to linger in our life because I'm gonna tell you this right now, the enemy is not dumb. A lot of times churches like to downplay the devil, but the devil's not dumb. He knows exactly what he needs to do to try and get us to fall into sin. He does. It's happened in my life. If I can be honest, it's happened in my life many times. But we need to nip it right then and there on that first day. Once we see it into our life, because if we don't, all we're going to see is we're going to be digging a hole farther and farther and farther until we look up and we're like, "How do I get out of this? How do I get out of this?" But passion blasts through quitting points. Because David comes onto the scene, and Israel stopped. Israel doesn't know what to do. Their quitting point, the wall that was blocking them was a guy by the name Goliath. And so David comes in and he looks at him and he says, let me go fight him. I got this. Let me go through that wall. Let me go through that wall. Anybody in here ever had a quitting point in your life or maybe a wall that just felt like you couldn't go through? Yeah, all of our hands should go. Thank you for being honest. I know in ministry, uh, I've been doing this for almost four years now i've had many times where i felt like i hit a wall i hit a wall where i was like gosh what do i do god what's the next step i remember the first two years in ministry i was just overseeing our junior high ministry our sixth seventh and eighth graders and i loved i love junior high students they're crazy um some of your guys students are actually upstairs with our leaders right now um and and i love those guys to death We had, in 2016, my second year in in, in youth ministry, we had about 70 junior high students showing up on a Tuesday night. Now, some of us have a problem with the ones that we have at home, the one or two. Can you imagine 70 students, (laughs) junior hires, on a Tuesday night in a small room, and there's only a few of us leaders. It, uh, it, It got wild at times, but I loved every single second of it. we were there we were 70 students and I'm thinking to myself man we're doing a good job and when I say we I mean God and our leadership team eighth grade graduation came around we went from 70 students to barely 30 students and we stayed at 30 students for months and I remember sitting back in my office thinking to myself is this really what I'm called to do is this really God the passion that you put in my heart to do maybe my, my dad was right maybe this isn't the calling that you have for me God And I sat there and I doubted myself. And I sat there and I thought, why? Let me encourage you with this church. When we face the most criticism, when we face the most blocks in our lives, what that is is a strategic attack that the enemy is putting on our lives. Because I truly believe when we face the most criticism, when we face the most roadblocks in our lives, we are on the brink of such a great blessing that God has for us. Such a great blessing that God has for us. If you're right now in this room today in second service and you feel like quitting, don't. God has something so much greater for you. God has something so grand for you. All we have to do is keep on going. Keep going. And we see that in David's life. David goes out and he fights the Philistine, he fights Goliath, and the passion that was installed into his heart ended up pouring out to the other Israelites, which leads me right into my third point, and that's this, passion stirs hearts, passion stirs hearts. Again, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this quote down, stirred hearts, stir hearts. Now, I wish I can take credit for that quote, but I can't. That was an original from Pastor Jim. Stirred hearts, stir hearts. Meaning this, our passion when we get around people will start to overflow into their lives. When we are so filled up with passion, we're filled up with confidence, that's going to start overflowing to those that are around us. That goal, that drive will start to overflow. And we see that in David's life. David's filled up with passion. He's excited. He's ready. So what he does is he charges against the Philistine. He charges against Goliath. And watch what happens. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 48. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to highlight this verse, because this verse to me is one of the most important, important verses in 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17, verse 48 says this. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him as 17 year old kids we think we don't know his exact date he's a teenager though charged at a 9 foot giant we can either think David's crazy which I think a little bit has to do with that or he's filled with passion and I'm leaning more so with he's filled with passion he didn't wait for Goliath to come at him he didn't wait for him to come over he didn't even have a sword in his hand but instead all he had was a slingshot All he had was a slingshot. Now watch what happens. Verse 49. Reaching into a shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone. For he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its holder. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. I believe that is one of the most savage, if I can say that, verses in the Bible that David killed Goliath with a sling and then took David's sword, or took Goliath's sword and cut his head off with it. Whew! The seventeen-year-old kid was crazy. Uh, keep reading. When the Philistines saw their champ was dead, they turned and ran. Fifty-two is where I see. David's passion overflow in the Israelites' army. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines. It's like those Israelites didn't even remember those 40 days when Goliath came out and was taunting them. Wiped from their memory. Why? Because the passion that David was filled with killed Goliath. And that same passion that was in David's life overflowed into that army. And that army chased after the Philistines. That army that day pushed them back. Now I got one story for you guys and I'm going to close so we can all go to breakfast. You guys should go to Chick-fil-A. It'll be on me. That's why it's on me. Uh, uh, I love weird Christian jokes like that. Um but as a kid, one of my passions was sports. I played sports my whole life, parks and rec, all the way up until I got into junior high. And then when I got into high school, I played all four years at a high school in Riverside called Ramona High. And, hey, sweet. <laughs> I had one person in the first service say, yeah, there's more in here. Cool. Um, and I played football there all four years. I did track and field for three years, my sophomore and my senior year. I did um, the discus and through shot put and when i was on the football team though we weren't the best team just hands down we weren't very good my, my junior year we went a perfect 0-10 did not win a game um it's no joke didn't win a game in my senior year i remember getting with my buddies and we told each other hey we're not going to allow that to happen again it's not going to happen again uh, we set out that year we're not going to go 0-10 we're going to win some games and so we started off we played King High School and we ended up beating King High School it was in the newspapers saying this is the first game that Ramona's won in two years it was like alright rub it in the face some more and we ended up going on I think we were it was like week six we were like four and two or something like that and we are play, playing in a school called Canyon Springs and Canyon Springs really wasn't known for their football team they weren't very good at all so we got that week and we thought to ourselves we got this in the bag there's nothing that can stop us against this team. We all watched all the scouting reports on them, watched film. We we were so confident going into that. Mainly cocky. Halftime rolls around of that game, it's 14-0. Canyon Springs is beating us. I remember walking into that locker room thinking to myself, I gosh, I hope my coach doesn't pick me out of the crowd because I did something dumb in that game. I I won't even go into it. It was dumb. <laughs> Now, my coach, though, he's a big dude. My coach is about my height, maybe a little bit taller. He looks like the Hulk. He is just huge. just muscular. His calves, and I'm not lying, I wish I had a picture with him, his calves were about the size of my face. They were huge. I always wondered to myself, how did you get your calves to be so big? Like, I don't understand that. I was always scared he was gonna, like, choke me out with them or something. (laughs) But... After a few seconds waiting in that locker room, our coach comes in and and he kinda opens the door and he sits there and he wasn't a Christian, so I won't say exactly what he said. But he always had chewing tobacco in his mouth. And so I remember him coming in and he stuck his finger in his mouth, grabbed the dip out of his lip, and threw it on the ground. And I was like, Coach, that's disgusting. (laughs) but he starts yelling at us he's getting into us and he looks at me and he's like Headley you made one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen on the football field I was like thanks coach I went in the bathroom and cried after that Um, I didn't do that I was a man Um, and and you guys are laughing way too much after that but I remember he he got on me and I kind of sat back in the corner a little bit more and he's going at all the team he's like you guys aren't playing with passion you guys have no heart out there on the field They shouldn't have even scored a touchdown on us. That that scoreboard should say zero for them. What's going on? Why are you playing so bad? And I'll never forget what he did next. After he got done talking to us, he's at the doors, the lockers, shaped like this. There's a trash can right here. He picks that trash can up. Remember, he looks like the Hulk. He picks that trash can up and he heaves it. He heaves at the whiteboard that's standing right there. There were some football players right there. It looked like the Red Sea. this went went, and the, the trash can came, hit that whiteboard, and I've never seen a trash can get blown into pieces in my life until that day. That trash can like, just broke into 15 million pieces. Don't understand how he even did that. And as he, as he did that, he's like, I hope that got some heart into you guys. I hope you guys leave out of this room passionate. because if you don't, you might as well just walk out of the field. And he kicked the door open and walked out. All of us in that room, one, were terrified. But two, after he left that room, we got so excited. We got so ecstatic. We start yelling. We start getting hyped up. And we start just getting ready to go back on the field. After the game was done, we beat uh, Canyon Springs 42 to 14. They didn't even score a point. They didn't score a point at all. Why? Because stirred hearts. hearts. Stir hearts. My coach's passion overflowed from him into us. That passion that he spoke with, that passion that he walked with was contagious. And the same thing happened in David's life. That passion that David walked with was contagious. That passion that David had in his life overflowed into the Israelite army and they went after the Philistines and they defeated the Philistines that day. Stirred hearts, stir hearts. Now church, I'm gonna close right now, but I don't know where we're at with our walk with God. Maybe we're on top of the world, and that's great. I love it. Or maybe for some of us in here, we've been facing some negative criticism. We've been facing some negative people in our lives, and we feel like just quitting. Or maybe for some of us, we we felt like we've hit a wall. There's nothing else out there for us. My prayer today is that this message is encouraging you not to quit. This message today is telling you guys, it's not worth it. God has something so great in store for you. We just got to keep going. We got to keep pushing. Allow that passion that he's instilled in your heart because I truly believe God's put a passion on every single one of our hearts in this room to keep on going. Again, the enemy's not dumb. The enemy is not dumb. He knows what will get us to stop. He knows what will get us to question. So my prayer today, guys, is we're going to stand up and we're going to tell the devil no not.